You shuffling around your feet? Yeah. I can hear that, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here, Let's do this I, thing. It's M and M's for the audience. <laughs> you can't. Welcome to the Maintain Podcast. We've all started from the bottom and have gotten to the top of something, whether that's a new house, a new friend, a new job, or even a new life. Once you have it, you need to maintain it. Each episode, I'll be talking to someone I feel is an expert at maintaining something special in their life. I'm your host, Christopher Keeney, and I hope you'll join me to see how the people at the top stay at the top and learn how to maintain. Our first episode is with Adam Wilson. Listen as we discuss what we think are the secrets to maintaining a friendship for over 30 years. Make sure you stay with us to the end for a preview of our next episode. And I'm joined with my best friend of how many years? 33 roughly. 33 years of friendship. And Adam, how do you maintain friendship? Oh, man, that's a great question, Chris. <laughs> I should have been a little more prepared. Here's how you maintain friendship. Um, you put up with a lot of sh- That's it. <laughs> All right, you heard it here. Lots of shit in a friendship. That's it. Uh, yeah. guess this is going to be a short one. Anyways... <laughs> Um, so, Adam, mm-hmm. you and I have been friends since, you say first grade, mm-hmm. I say second grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell your rendition of how we first met. We got in line uh, in first grade to go some, I don't remember where we were going, maybe gym class or something. And uh, <clears throat> I was standing in line and I turned around and I looked at you and said, my name's Adam. And you said, I'm Chris. And that's the only memory that I have. But it was in Miss Wayne's class because we've already been through this. We went to school at the same school in the same year, in the same grade. And we just both happened to have the same teacher, ipto facto, first grade. Right. My recollection of the first time we became friends was when we were fighting over April O'Neill. So... I'm going to concede with you on this one. You were definitely right because we were already friends, but I didn't know that we were best friends. That wasn't the question. I know. I know. But this is my memory and I'm allowed to have those. Uh, (laughs) uh, No, uh, my first memory of our friendship was we were, we always played Ninja Turtles together Mm -hmm. Um, and we went back and forth on who was going to get like all the Ninja Turtles. You had everything you had the sewer system i think no i had the module the module oh, i had the yeah. module and i had the turtle van and i had the turtle pizza thrower yeah the pizza thrower that was that the was gym the jopest yeah but you never did get that blimp did you buddy <laughs> that was a fun year <laughs> anyways I, I remember us being friends because we both had an april o'neill but i didn't think that you had one I did. I know. I think she's in the box upstairs of toys that your daughter's playing with. Yeah, and I still have mine because we both had one, but mine went missing. So I blamed you for taking my April O'Neil because I saw you playing with it. And I was like, this kid, he was never my friend. He was just after my (laughs) April (laughs) O'Neil. This is your first memory of our friendship. That was awesome. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, So, but then 
what happened was you explained it to me. What the after school to you? Do you remember that? Yeah, you explained that you had it, that your parents had bought it, and that everything was fine. Yeah, and that, that maybe I was just missing mine. Yeah, that you didn't you just, have it. So right. you saw right. you couldn't find yours. You saw me with one, and immediate assumption was that motherfucker stole it. Exactly. You're a real piece of shit. Right. This right. is what I mean. But here's the thing. It. That's why you're on this premiere episode because. <laughs> You maintained a friendship with this piece of shit for 33 years. Oh my god, I am very good at friendship. Right, right. So, uh, that covers the meaning, and I, I think our friendship is actually based on a very popular, uh, back then it was a cartoon, and a comic that we both got into. Uh, do you remember what that was? Jerry the Teenage Ninja Turtles? Exactly. Or, I was going to say, it's got to be that one. Oh, I remember third grade. We had first grade together and second grade together. Third grade, we had different classes. We had that younger, newer teacher. I can't remember her name. I had Miss Kearns, the one that had been there for like 80 years. Oh, she was mean. She was the sweetest, dude. Ugh, when She, she went must to, not like me. <laughs> she, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, But anyway, I remember seeing you... And you were like, oh my god, check this out. You had one of those movie magazines that you always bought. And you're like, the second turtle movie. It's going to have vanilla ice. <laughs> and I right? lost it because that was amazing. Right. That was the best news you could hear in the oh 90s. Oh my god. Ice Ice Baby was going to be singing the turtle rap. Now, were you wearing your parachute pants at the time? <laughs> I don't think I had those. <laughs> Oh, I did. I had I had some hammer pants. I know. I remember your hammer pants, and you I loved them, and you were jealous. Was very of them. jealous that although you also had those jeans that looked like hammer pants. Oh, the Jinkos. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm talking about oh. the ones that have like the the uh, elastic at the bottom. Oh yeah, you know what those are? What husky oh. pants? Because <laughs> I'm fat. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't a stylistic choice, my friend. <laughs> I just assumed you guys liked them. I was like, whatever, that's Chris's pants, no, man. No, no, see, that's the thing. Back then as a kid, they had this section called the husky section. So they're like, they're like, here's how you can identify the kids to pick on. Exactly. Give elastic at the end. They're gonna know that these like, pants would why, not fit anybody else. Extra elastic at the bottom. That I, doesn't make any sense. I don't know all the exercise those husky kids were doing. Who I <laughs> You think I enjoyed shopping I, in the husky I, section? I, 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 didn't, I didn't know anything about it, man. I was like the size of a freaking toothpick. Yeah, I dude. Mean, I was oh. so skinny. Yeah, see, and that's the thing, is you had it all as a kid, man. <laughs> I didn't have pants that fit. My mom no. used to make me wear overalls, no, man. But you had parents. Yeah. <laughs> that were together. <laughs> you had a huge house. It wasn't completely done yet, but it was Ooh, on its way. Yeah, worked his ass over that. Yeah, your dad was, like, building every step of the way. And I remember, yeah. like... How I knew we were really good friends was when I came over and I saw the finished stairwell. Mm-hmm. Because through our for our whole childhood growing up, when we were playing Nintendo and yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and all that stuff, your your dad 
had the stairwells, and it was the, what do you call them, dowels? Uh, you're talking about the banister. Yeah, the banister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it, what do you call this thing? Like the... Uh, I don't know what you would call this. I always said spindle, but I don't even know if that's yeah, the right word. Yeah, well, the, the little things that, like, stick up that hold the step, steps, or the, the railing together. Yeah. Those were <laughs> tied together with strings for, like, the first, I don't know how long. And then I remember, like, through our childhood, like, all of a sudden, you know, like, some stairs got in there. And then, mm-hmm. at the end, like... You, your dad put in like a movie room with a hot oh, tub. Oh, like downstairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <man. laughs> like, yeah, actually, what's well, he put in the the TV room downstairs for us because the little room upstairs in, in the the top floor because it's like you know two floor house and then it had a uh, <laughs> chief came out. Oh, chief. And it had a, a, ba- a basement. And he finished a small section. It was a TV room. Because when we were in the TV room upstairs, it was right above his bedroom. It was really loud. So um, then we built the apartment in the basement. And he already had plans for a hot tub room. So when Carrie got pregnant while we were seniors, he and I built the apartment for us to live in. So, yeah, it was like it wasn't it, all at once kind of came together really yeah and if anybody missed that uh he said when he was a senior and that doesn't mean like in college mm-hmm. or an old man or anything that means high school so i remember this guy coming up to me and being like dude i got some news <laughs> and i'm like yeah i don't remember that conversation because i had it several times that year yeah and you were like i'm having a kid and i was like yo that's funny but i don't get it because you're always joking about everything <laughs> you're like no seriously with carrie yeah and i'm like yay and you're like yeah yay yeah, yeah. Like, okay, okay okay we're gonna celebrate this right, one, right. <laughs> yeah yeah that was a conscious choice too that wasn't an accident fyi i don't know if i ever told you that no you didn't tell me that Ooh, yeah see this we is the good stuff that we get into yeah um you won't be the first person to learn this either well you're about to tell a whole bunch of people yeah right. there's gonna be like three who listen at yeah. least and <laughs> we'll already know all of them so they should know most of these stories so yeah carrie and i had been dating for like a month and i was like i want to have a baby with you and i have no idea why i said that i didn't need to have a kid that young i was very dumb and she said yeah me too and so she stopped taking birth control and i got her pregnant nice and then i never told anyone fast forward uh six years (laughs) when i was in iraq and i was uh relatively convinced for a while that i was going to get killed and so i wrote a letter home to my parents telling them the truth and then when i talked to him the next time on the phone i was like oh did you get the letter blah blah, blah. they're like yeah yeah we don't care it's fine because they're they were in love with carter from day one you know so yeah they didn't i mean i'm sure they would have had a few choice words when it happened but they were supportive they would have been supportive either way yeah like uh, I, I mean i know your dad tim like he yeah. seems like the a gruff kind of guy that you don't definitely don't want to mess with but also the kind of guy that will take you under your wing i mean he was like another father to me yeah growing yeah. Up. yeah yeah he's a big softy he seems mean but he's he's a inside no 
<laughs> I'm not going to go that far. This is that a was soft hand. There. Um, oh yeah. Oh god. Okay. So, anyways, um, so this podcast is about maintaining. What do you think you've done as far as maintaining this friendship? Because it, as good of friends as we are now, we were always good friends. Sure. You know it. This is a super interesting question, and, and I'll tell you why. So, I was in the Marine Corps, for the people that don't know. I left uh, home for boot camp when I was 20. Um, and so, I did 13 years, uh, just under 30. It was like 12 years and 9 months. Uh, active duty in the infantry. And so, I lived in Norfolk, Virginia, and then in Hawaii. And then we lived in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And then we lived in Southern California, and then we lived here in North Carolina. And I made a lot of friends along the way. You know, like guys, you read these stories about guys developing relationships and combat scenarios, high stress situations, whatever, and maintaining that friendship or being friends forever. And I'll tell you, you're not always super close. You don't always talk forever, but when you reconnect, it's awesome. Um, but that said, I've had a ton of friendships, like people that I could imagine not hanging around again that I don't even talk to anymore. And I don't feel bad about that. We just kind of went our own ways. So when I think about, you know, we met very young and we've been able to stay friends for as long as we have. And I used to think that was a normal thing. Like you had some people that you knew your entire life. Cause I got you, I got Mike, um, Jay Holt. I've known for a very long time. Hell, your wife, middle yes. school, I think was when I met her. And Mike's wife, same thing, middle school. Yeah. Um, and then whenever I do go home, I see people, but it's not like I talk to everybody for a long time. And I didn't realize it was kind of rare to have friendships that last a super long time. Or at least I think it's more rare to have friendships that last an extremely long amount of time like ours has when half of the friend group is gone for a long time. Right. Because I've been gone for, it'll be 20 years in January. That I moved away. Wow. That's had, a long time. I know, right? Jeez. Like, you don't think about it, but it's like, I've been gone 20 years. It took me, I think it was like last year, year and a half ago, something like that, when I was back home and I finally, I was riding with my brother-in-law and he was like, oh, we're going, he said where we were going. I was like, look, man, I don't know how to get there. Like, it was the first time I had to just admit, like, I've been gone for so long and things changed so much. I just don't know where the hell I'm going. You wow. got to tell me, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I could probably get there. I just, it won't be efficient. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's and there's how probably, I mean, it's been 20 years. There's new developments, hopefully, oh, yeah. in Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. Dude, there's so much change. Like, uh, I that damn field next to the high school where Wendy's was, I mean, it was nothing. It was trees. It was a, I used to yeah. sit on Justin, uh, Justin Smock's front porch. Yeah. And watch, he had watched that one stoplight that we had. Yeah. He watched it at night and he knew where the where the signal was down the road that would trigger it to go green for people because he was like, it's always green on 17 until someone shows up. And he, he knew the timing and everything. Wow. Like, that's how boring that place was. And Literally now, a one stoplight town, right? Yeah, yeah. It I only had the one stoplight. Yeah. And at night, you never stopped because it would change. Or there, there were times I'd pull up to it at night and I'd be like, I don't even know why I'm stopping. Because no one's driving through here but me right now. Yeah. You know, uh, it's one of those things. Um, and now it's it's just super developed. Like that whole area, um, I go there and I get lost in Independence, Kentucky. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so they, they've 
grown a lot in independence, but not too much because we moved back to independence because mm. we uh we were in Florence for a long time. Oh yeah. We were right down the road from my mother-in-law for a while. Yeah, yeah, for a while, for a long time, and uh, staying at my uncle's house after he passed, and then we moved. We were able to buy, we were able to buy a nice house in Independence, yeah. and we were kind of iffy about it. But you know, our family was there and everything. We could not be happier. Mm-hmm. We do anything we can to avoid going back to Florence because Independence has enough growth so that everything's close, but. Not everybody's jerks, <laughs> so yeah. it, it's kind of it's. Well, a you get a lot place. of upper class in Florence, so I feel a little bit more comfortable when I'm there. Well, obviously. <laughs> so uh, we went over this earlier about what's upper class and middle class. The average salaries for upper class and middle That's class so much better than Chris. And uh, I had to point out to Adam that he is he is very very close, and actually, I, I think he's. Slightly above. I think this year I'll hit it. This year he's going to cross right over the top into upper class, and I'm just I'm trying to figure out how he maintains this friendship with a a lower class guy. It's gonna it's gonna be tough because you're gonna have to bring a tuxedo to have dinner with me when I'm upper class. Or because I did hear this the other day, we got back from a function um, where it it was a nice uh, sunset party where we we got. Pulled into an impromptu wedding. Wedding, um, and I after this awesome, beautiful uh, thing that he got to be a part in, he was wearing a tank top, and his his comment was that next time he needs a tuxedo tank top <laughs> so he can be more dressed up. Yeah, yeah. They have the tuxedo T-shirt. I need to find out if there's a tuxedo tank top. If there's not. I'll just buy a tuxedo tee and cut the sleeves off. That's right. Like, just spray paint it. Airbrush it. That's going to be your best <laughs> oh, bet. Oh, man. That would look good. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, uh, some of our darker times, um, I remember being in middle school. I and remember I, being in middle school as well. Yeah. I remember being a terrible friend to you. So, uh, how'd you maintain... Our friendship after that. Um, okay, so... I think there's, like... I guess we should back up, like, from first grade through to middle school, we spent, like, just tons of time together. Yeah. I think it was you and Jimmy Goins are the only two people I ever hung out with. And I held you all the time. We were staying at your house, we were staying at mine, playing Ninja Turtles and all that kind of stuff. So... Middle school, we both were starting to branch out and meet other people and do our thing, uh, but we were still buddies and hanging out. And even though you kind of got in this phase where, you know, you were jumping on the bandwagon and making my life a little bit harder, uh, you weren't as mean as other kids. I never really thought that. It okay, just... so uh, we started hanging out with, we were both friends with this guy named Daniel, uh, which uh, has since passed. So Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah. And, and... He wasn't a bad guy. He was just... Bad times. Yeah, well, it wasn't a bad guy. He was just mixed up in some of the wrong crowds and it tried to make fun of people and get other groups of people to make fun of people. Yeah. Because so, it was easier than, you know, having a real friendship or whatever. Yeah, for sure. And so, for some reason, he decided that he wanted to hang out with me a little bit more. 
And remember, this was middle school, so I was like, yeah, seventh grade, I I believe. And so I I started hanging out with this guy, and then he started kind of, I think, giving Adam the cold shoulder, maybe. Oh, no, he was actively trying to get me beat up. I had several kids come up to me. Uh, One really big, dumb kid came up to me at lunch. And, you know, I'm a rather uh, naturally gifted salesman, so I kept him from getting my ass beat this day. But he came up and he was like, hey. I heard you said I was too afraid to throw a punch. And I was like, what's your name? And he, t- he told me his name. I was like, dude, I don't even know your name. Did, did Daniel <laughs> tell you this? And he was like, yeah. I was like, dude, he's just trying to get me beat up. You know what? He did the same thing to me. Yeah. And yeah. that kid turned around and walked. He was he listened. He was like, oh, okay. And he walked away. You're like, no harm, no foul. But um, So he was just, just trying to make my life harder because... Uh, we, he and I had gotten in some trouble, and my dad felt like he was a bad influence on me, and so... Your dad was right. Yeah. Well, here's, here's why I f***ed up, is I told him that. I was like, my dad thinks you're a bad influence, so I can't play, hang out with you anymore. Like, I wasn't mad at him. I still wanted to hang out. My dad said I couldn't, so I couldn't, right? Like, right. But he took that very deeply personal yeah. and gave me a hard time. Like, he took that so personally that when I saw him at NKU... and at like North Tech University College years later. And I talked to him and I was like, yeah, man, we should hang out again, whatever this and that. He's like, yeah, you tell your dad that I wasn't the, infl- the bad uh, influence. Like, like, it really hurt him. And I didn't, like, if I'd have known that at the time, but we were kids. Like, well, I just, yeah, like, you don't know. know. So, yeah, and I told him that too, like, when we talked that day. I was like, I know, man. I was just, that's whatever. Yeah, and we were kids, and and I do feel bad for the guy, because I do remember. I mean, he was a good guy, and we would have all these talks Mm -hmm. at night, and he had goodness to him, but I don't know that the opportunity was really there all the time. I mean, some kids go through hit phase. Like, maybe we just caught him in the middle of that. Yeah. Either way, I mean, it's not a knock on his personality. He just liked to get people to do stuff. Yeah. And that was it. Um, well, and he he really wanted me to, like, so I would start making fun of people, and that's how I would get in his good graces. Mm-hmm. He really enjoyed that for some reason. Yeah. The, the starting the drama, yeah. all that stuff. So I actually got so bad that when I would pass you in the hallway, I knew that it bothered you if I cleared my throat and threw my head to the side. Because uh, that was when I had, like, this weird tics. Yeah. So, Adam Adam had this, like, a little bit of a weird tic. Nothing nothing bad or anything like that. But I decided that I was going to exploit that yeah. in Adam. And here's the, the thing. Adam wasn't the only one. I did this to so many kids. Yeah. In our middle school. Oh, you were a flan bully. Nobody. You yeah, I was a full on. Here's, here's the thing. I was a fat kid who was tired of getting picked on and yeah, saw my way to get back at everybody. And Daniel was just there and, and he, he, did kinda... I ever make fun of you? I don't think I ever did. I can't no, think of I don't thing. think so. I mean, you make fun of me all the time. But yeah, but not for your like, weight. Yeah. As for your friends. personality yeah. and overall who you are. Right, right. Yeah. Just like all the things that rock me to a core, but not, not my not, weight. Not your weight, yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> but, but that's the thing is I, I did that to so many people. Like I tried mm-hmm. to, I, cause that's, I'm good at reading people. I am good at having a conversation people with people. Hopefully that's why I'm starting a podcast. Sure. Anyways. I was able to find these people and zero in on their weaknesses 
and make fun of them they for exploit it. that, yeah. So much so that I did not have one single friend when I went to high school. So when I went to high school, my freshman year, I went on an actual apology tour where I walked <laughs> up to everybody and I said, I am sorry. I know I made fun of you in high school. I did not know you did that. You I did. Done, I apologize to me. I don't remember. I apologize to you. And you just looked at me and you're like, uh, okay. <laughs> and that was it. And then we were friends again in my head. I Apparently we were friends the whole time. Yeah. So that in, in, I think that's the interesting thing. Like. The whole point of me talking about how much time we spent together was because there's like a relative familiarity there, right? Like, like we knew each other, we knew we could have a good time hanging out and all that kind of stuff. You got into that phase where you were doing that. I had been friends with the same guy and I had felt that. So I think I kind of understood it. But at the same time, it's like when you, when your head cleared, it was like, oh, Chris is back. Like, like it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal that that happened in a big part of the why it wasn't a big deal is because uh, when all that was happening, I was, you know, he was convincing a lot of people to give me a hard time. Um, I met Steve Janke. He and I started hanging out. Steve is a big personality, and he really doesn't give up an F about what other people think. And that gave me a lot of armor because I learned a lot from him to that regard, you know. Uh, and I think, so by the time you were coming back and apologizing, I was mentally in a place where it was like, you know, I don't care. You haven't done that in... I mean, you only did it in seventh grade. Right. It had been a couple of years since you did anything, so it was like, I've gotten over that, man. Right. You don't have to worry about it. See, that's the thing, is for all the things that you've gone through, and I mean, you with you being a Marine, with you having a kid in high school, and all this stuff, like, you've always had a level head. Hmm. Like, you've always kind of been the guy that I look up to, and yeah. that I respect. Well, I appreciate and, that. Yeah. And it, whether or not I was a great friend to you or not, I really appreciate you hanging in there and sticking, like, still calling me occasionally. Yeah. And, like, because it, it wasn't like you just left the friendship totally or you didn't mm-hmm. care about it. Like, you, you did. I mean, we ended up uh, having some fun times in high school. Yeah. Uh, we started our first business. Which business was that one? <laughs> Hopefully the Statue oh. of Limitations oh, has <laughs> passed on this. Yeah, you're talking about the fake IDs. Yeah, yeah, the fake IDs. I don't want to get into specifics. No. Um, but we had a pretty good system, and I did what I do, which uh, is sell. Right. Yeah. You were our sales guy. You were the it one. Great, I guess. Yeah, business. Yeah, I was the nuts and bolts guy who who figured out the logistics and it, or yeah. helped figure out the logistics and the, the creative yeah. aspect. And one other gentleman that acquired the necessary uh, materials, things, right? Materials we, again. Hopefully, uh, Independence Police, please oh, don't don't you come. Call me all day. I'm not telling you. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, I remember that and the, the fact that, like, so we, we did that. And the reason why I bring that up is because we were in high school. Yeah. And then it was like our senior year. We both went to NKU for yeah. our first year of college, um, Northern Kentucky University. And I remember me and you hadn't talked for I don't know how long. 
Probably a few months. I mean, yeah, since I mean, the end of senior year. Because this happened in October. I know where you're going. It happened, like, October after we graduated. Yeah, and I remember, like, coming up, and all of a sudden I see you in the halls of NKU, and you come up, and you're just like, hey, uh, some people are going to talk to us about the IDs. I didn't say anything. You don't say anything. <laughs> we'll be cool. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, got it. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, luckily nothing came of that or anything. But then you taught me how to drive stick. Yes, in my in my two thousand Wrangler, I made very good mo- uh, financial choices when I was young, and I bought a brand new vehicle a month before my first child was born. Um, yeah, and and Jeeps have a really easy. I mean, I learned on the exact same Jeep on the way home from the dealership. Yeah, did I tell you that? No, you did not tell yeah, me. Yeah, I didn't know anything. You didn't know how to drive no, a stick. Before did not know you anything. Bought it. I bought it, and I. <laughs> how did you test drive it? I didn't. You I just went. <laughs> okay, so. All right, we're going over how uh, so, I looked up to this guy, and he's talking about how he's... So you didn't... Tell you, <laughs> you didn't so test drive the, the brand new car yeah. you bought in no, high school. No, so, okay. Well, this is right after high school. Oh, oh, I've been graduated right. for like a month and a half. Right. Like, I was a grown man. Right. So, uh, <laughs> so I I knew I wanted a Jeep, and, and it happened. We were did, we did something. We were Jay Holt's farm, I think... Me and Jay and some guys, it's like his family farm. And we went out there to camp or something. Oh, we were playing Capture the Flag and we camped out and stuff. It was a blast. And while we were there, you know, I had my old 92 Geo Prism and I kept thinking, man, it'd be awesome if I had a Jeep that we could ride off road around here. And that really put the bug in my ear. So then, like a month and a half later, because this was during my senior year, this happened or whatever, a month and a half later, whatever it was, you know, I learned about credit and that you could buy things that you don't have cash for. Free money. Yeah, free money. So everybody, ladies and gentlemen, just get a credit card. Credit card. Run it up. Money. Free money. Uh, if it's less than fifteen hundred bucks, um, they're not going to come after you. Right. So, so just, just. I mean, who cares? It's yeah. free. And file Fuck bankruptcy or whatever yeah. you need to do. And no, don't Use take any advice <laughs> at all from us. We are not financial experts at all. No. So I bought this Jeep, um, and I knew I wanted a stick shift Jeep because for whatever reason, I felt like an automatic was for right? So my mom had to go with me to sign over the car because she technically wait, wait, wait. owned the car. You can't say that people who drive automatic Jeeps are and then follow that with, and then my mom took me to the dealership. <laughs> she didn't take me. I drove. Oh, oh my She bad. met me there. So the car was mine. They bought me a car when I was 16. The car was mine, but it, they never transferred the title. Was that the Geo that we took to Florida? The 92 Geo Prism, yeah. The white exterior with... With the uh, maroon velvet interior, yeah, that was cl- that, that was a classy machine. Okay, one quick story about that: we decided to, on an impromptu uh, spring break trip to Florida. It was our senior year. Yeah, on our senior year, and so Adam picks me up in this '92 Geo Prism, and we start driving to Florida drove all night. Yeah, drove all night, which is a what fifteen hour drive. Yeah, it was not short. Yeah, not cool. not short at all. So. He, he starts getting tired and he looks over to me and he's like, all right, you can, uh, can you drive for me? I need to sleep and, you know, we can keep on going. I'm like, yeah, oh, sure. Oh, we through a big rainstorm? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, sure, Adam, that, that's fine. I can drive. You can get some sleep. And he's like, all right, uh, 
this car. You got to be real easy <laughs> with it. Don't take it over 65 miles an hour. Yeah, because it starts shaking. Because it starts shaking <laughs> real bad. And we had to keep refilling the radiator. <laughs> but here's the thing. You fell asleep. Yeah. I got that car I to about you, 90 yeah, miles an hour. I remember hour. you going, once you hit 80, it levels back out. <laughs> what? We made it to Florida in no time flat, oh, yeah. man. It was great. So, anyway, anyways, back to the Jeep. Okay, so the Jeep. Um, so, I went there. Mom showed up to sign over the other car. The guy who sold it to me. Do you remember Preston Creed? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, it was his dad. His yeah, okay. Dad, uh, yeah. His car sale. So, I went and I saw him. He gave me, from what I remember, a pretty good deal on it. Um, and he took my car in trade. And I had, like, some cash to put down. And so, uh, I buy it, take pictures, all this stuff, and then I open it up and I was like, all right, man, how's it work? <laughs> so you had signed all the papers. Oh, it was done. It was happening, man. You were so, full on no, yeah, yeah, I high was, school kid. I was. Uh, no, no, no. Month yeah, out of high school. Grown ass High man. school graduate. Yeah. So. Making genius. smart decisions. Exactly. So. He gave me the gist of it, and I'd seen Days of Thunder, so I figured, why not? <laughs> so, ironically, like Days, watching Days of Thunder really did help me with shifting and stuff. Because <laughs> I figured Days out of Thunder help you with shifting because they have a really good scene where they're showing the feet when he hits the the clutch and gets back on the gas while he's shifting gears, and it goes from the feet to the gear to the feet. The double clutching? No, it's a single clutch. It's oh, just it's like it shows okay, him. Okay. He hits the clutch, you see his hand jamming in another gear, and then it shows his foot hitting the gas okay. and coming off the clutch. So, like, I really did learn some stuff from that show, or from that movie. Nice. Um, and he told me, and I, I drove it home. My mom followed me in case something happened. <laughs> I died, like, 15 times. And right in the middle, you know where, you know where the uh, uh, industrial... Where the, the, uh, in 25 cross. Yeah. Industrial 20, die right in the middle of that intersection. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had to restart. <laughs> I couldn't do it. So I got home and then I was like, I had, I worked in a factory. I had to be at work every day. So I drove it to work and I got that. And then I would go to Steve Jenkins' neighborhood because he had a couple of hills and I would, every day after work, I'd go park on a hill and practice and I sucked. <laughs> I was so bad. So I went, uh, one night, one day I took the doors off because that's what you do. My dad, uh, I was driving in the backyard. I was, uh, you know, parking on the hill trying to take off. And my dad was like, get out of the way. And he opted in. He was like, watch my feet. Cause you know, with the door off, I could see everything. And he did it once. He did the days of thunder move. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He days of thunder that <laughs> up the hill. And I was like, I got it. And from then on, yeah. I've never had a problem driving stick. Yeah, well, I remember you, you because uh, I was staying on campus at the time mm-hmm. at NKU, and you would come over and let me drive the Jeep. And around that parking me, lot. Yeah, around the parking yeah, lot yeah. and everything. And and the funny thing, so I want to ask you one question, because you kept telling me about how you were, you were uh, terrible at learning how to uh, do the stick shift and, mm-hmm. and all of that. Did you replace the clutch before you sold it to me? I never replaced that clutch. Okay. <laughs> so you deserved the clutch that you got. <laughs> years later, he actually sold me this Jeep. Mm-hmm. And it was my favorite vehicle I've ever owned. Uh, we had amazing times in this Jeep. And, and then you sold it. Then I like sold it. Like a bitch. 
because I was thinking that I had to do the right thing for my family because I was buying a hatchback (laughs) uh, with good, great gas mileage. Right? So that makes it okay. Right? Uh, Not the way you drive it. Yeah, no, not the way I drive it. The gas mileage goes right down the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm a bit of a, a lead foot. So you, you were talking about how we maintained friendship even while you were overseas and, you know, we were really far apart. So what was that like for you? Yeah. So, um, I guess when we were talking about it earlier, I was mentioning, like, I made friends and, and don't talk to them anymore. Right. Uh, since I've been in, in and out of the Marine Corps, these guys that I went through some serious together, right? So I think the fact that we've we've stayed friends through all that has uh kind of kind of is a testament to our desire to stay friends because with these guys in the marine corps some of them i'd rather stay friendly with than others right like i have some guys that i talk to still um and others that i don't and it's because i like why do you stay in contact with anybody because you want to right so i think we just got super lucky at a really young age connect with somebody that we really gets us and we wanted to keep that level of connection. You know yeah. what I mean? Because, like, Mike Hurt, he and I stayed buddies. But he was in the Army. I was in the Marine Corps. So we had that in common. And then when he got out of the Army, I put him back in, <laughs> put him in the Marine Corps. So we have this, like, military connection. Yeah. That's the only reason why I still talked or I talked to Jay or have in the past, like, 20 years. See, and that's that. the weird thing to me. Because, like, me and Mike were, were good friends, yeah. too, growing up. And, I mean, all three of us. I remember, mm-hmm. like, my mom's got a picture of all of us. Playing pool. Playing, playing pool on a miniature pool table. Shirts off. Shirts Cause off. Because we sexy. That's right. But, like, me and him, we kind of drifted apart, mm-hmm. especially, like, like high school. He kind of started going a different way, and then, like, I never really reconnected. Uh, recently, we've reconnected, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like an old friendship yeah, all over sure. again. But, but that's the thing between me and you is, while I do believe that it's got something to do with us wanting to be friends, yeah. I feel like life has just kind of thrown us back into the friendship at yeah. weird times, too. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. Like, we we still talked here and there, and then, you know, we, we've we helped each other out quite a bit over the years um, yeah. in different ways. I know second deployment, that's when you sent me the video. Yeah. you uh, He interviewed a bunch of family and made a whole video. He had a green screen he was trying out, because Chris is a very creative person in video and photography and, and all that, and here's his podcast. Um so he always, whenever he does something new, he wants me to check it out and I'm always happy to do it. And I'll give him honest feedback without telling him it's a complete pile of shit. Um, so, so he sent me this video where he uses green screen and he interviewed family and all that. And then the worst, the part that was just fucked up was that he went out to some bars with a cut with my cousin and her friends and showed me all the good times I was missing while I was, you know, oh, NASA in Afghanistan. <laughs> you know, I didn't they think were out here drinking having a good time. And I was like, awesome, man. It was in honor of you, my friend. <laughs> sure. Was. I'll tell you what, though. Like, interviewing your family members and everything, like, they all love you so much. And they, they had nothing well, but good things to say. They're required to love me. Well, yeah. Because we're related. Yeah. But, I mean, like, 
I don't know. You bring the funny. You're the guy who says the stuff that nobody else will say. But yeah, you were. I mean, you were always the guy who like didn't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, just said whatever you wanted. And I mean, like, you weren't always that guy. Like, I remember growing up with you, and you had your own stuff that you had to get through. But you got through it real quick. I feel like yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I got real lucky with an awesome dad that has a very much attitude like that. You know, sarcasm is rampant in the Wilson family. Um, that's just how we deal with things. That's how we connect with people. Uh, to this day, like my my dad, uh, when I go home, I have a short list of people that I, I feel like I need to see. And there's an order of that list. Um, my parents and my grandma are the very top of that list. Um, and no matter what I'm home for, I see them. Right. As that uh, should be. Yeah, exactly. My sister and her family are right there as well. Right. right? And then it transitions to you. You are oh. always one of the people I see. I feel special. Uh, you should. Because <laughs> you're the only non-relative that's on the list. I do feel special. And then after that, it's my Uncle Mike. And then anybody I'm else. sorry, Uncle Mike. <laughs> You're losing out to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's awesome. I love the guy, but I didn't spend as much time with him growing up as I did with you. We grew up together. Uncle Mike, if you if you like some Ninja Turtles, you might. You've hung out at Uncle Mike's house. I have. Yeah, that's Uncle Mike. Right. But um, no, like it's just like the list of people that I prioritize to go see. But yeah, and it's uh, I think we I think we kind of got lucky. But also, like, it's taken effort, right? Like, like the whole, I sold you my Jeep fiasco. We had some words then. We went back and forth on some... You don't remember that? God, no. Oh, my God. You I remember know. nothing but good for the Jeep. Don't ruin this for Holy me. Shit. Oh, dear. We were, I was selling you the Jeep. I was in recruiter school at the time. And you'd, you had the bank wire the money to me, but I wouldn't, I didn't want you to pick the Jeep up until the money was in the bank and you got really offended. Like I didn't trust you. And I was listening to my dad, like, Hey, this is how business is done. You make sure the money is there and then whatever. Cause right. it's not like anybody was driving, driving the Jeep. It was just sitting at dad's house. Right. So once the money, your mom got real mad at us too. Once the money hit, you picked up the Jeep. Like the next night you were out with friends and you called me. And it had broken down. Do you remember that? I do remember cold. that. You were like, oh, I always get this and that. I was like, Chris, I don't know what's wrong, but I'll make it right. And you're like, okay. And then the next day, we had it towed to Arnie's or something, or Har- 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 Harvey's or something. And we figured out what was wrong. And yeah. the problem was the same price as the taxes. And I was like, I'll cover this. You cover the taxes. We'll call it a day. And you're like, okay. Yeah, okay. I do <laughs> that remember that yes, now yes. that you jog my memory. And see, here's here's the thing is while you've got, you know, your dad telling mm-hmm. you, you know, this is how business is done. I got my mom saying, this is how you get screwed over in life. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> like, so, so, so I, like, I remember we were out and I remember it, it breaking down and I knew nothing about cars. So yeah. all I thought was like, my God, I'm so everybody is against me. <laughs> and it, yeah. And well, what's funny. But then again, you just swoop in and you're like, no, dude, it's fine. Yeah. Well, it was <laughs> that's what I that. need sometimes. Yeah, I know. Right. Like, and I don't know, I guess like it's so funny because I get so impatient with so many people. 
But for whatever reason, when it comes to you, and I think it has something to do with longevity longevity of our relationship, is when that happened, it wasn't like normally with most people around here, and I have a reputation of, if you really get under my skin, you're cut off, I'll never talk to you again. Like, yeah. I, like And it's not, I'm not a mean about it, I'm not like, oh, fuck you, I don't tell you off, I just, you stop hearing from me, right. I stop accepting calls. If you're gonna yeah. be this this way, then it's just not worth my time. Exactly, exactly, and that's one thing because uh, you know sarcasm is how I connect to people. And, and Carrie's had several times where her friends have been like, "I don't think Adam likes me," and she goes, "Well, he's talking to you." Yeah, but he's always making fun of me. She's like, <laughs> "No, no, no, he's talking to you. He likes you. If he didn't like you, you wouldn't hear right. anything." Yeah, I mean, you know, you're close with Adam when he starts making fun of you. Like, yeah. he, then, then that's how I know you're comfortable enough with somebody. Yes. To like, and I'm not malicious about it either. Right. Like the weight thing. I've never attacked your weight because I would never do that. And I'm not shallow like that. Would be. I only attack someone's weight if they cut me off. Yeah. Uh, while I'm driving, then I attack <laughs> every part of their soul. Well, yeah, but not to their face. I just scream it into my steering wheel and then move on with life. But. Um, for you, it's like, uh, you know, I wasn't going to let something like a Jeep deal ruin a relationship like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but I see, remember earlier in the day, because your mom was telling you this, I get f- you were calling me going, hey, I think you called me at one point and you said, I, I think I'm just going to tr- cancel the wire and not buy the Jeep. And do you remember my, do you remember that conversation? No. I do. I don't know why I remember. I just do. And my response was, and, and I... <laughs> I said, uh, I said, dude, I think it's a great idea. I don't think this is a good idea. I, I don't think this is going to work. I don't want to lose a friendship over a f***ing Jeep. And you, it went silent for a couple seconds. And then you were like, all right, look, man. Uh, as soon as the money hits, I'll pick the Jeep up. I was like, hey, whatever you want. And then you picked it. And then you got mad when it broke down, which I totally understood. And it was totally my fault. <laughs> I had wired up some lights on it or something. And I left like a... a uh, cut wire. It was drawn off the battery, so yeah. we replaced the battery, and it was fine. Yeah, I knew it was like a like once I everything got figured out. It was like a simple battery. Thing. Yeah, it was something dumb. I, you know, I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't gonna screw you over like that. But see, quite honestly, like that's why I I chose you to to be the first person about maintaining, and because I, I feel like between the two of us, you're the one who's actually maintained this fr- friendship. I feel like I've just enjoyed it and <laughs> that's been awesome. happy to be part of it. That's awesome that you say that, and I appreciate that. But, I mean, you put the effort out there as well, you know, writing me letters in boot camp, um, you know, send me the videos, stuff like letters that. letters in yeah, boot camp? I could go. I, I got them upstairs. I'll dig them up tomorrow. I don't remember so. doing that. Jeez. I definitely got letters from you. I don't wow. remember specifics. I just know that I got a couple of letters from you. And, like... When you think about technology, I mean, even back in 2002, technology was beyond writing letters, but that's the only way I could communicate with people. Yeah. Uh, and everybody that I wrote to wrote back. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I had a short list of people that I was writing to, and you were one of them. So I'm positive I've got letters up there. I'll have to dig them up one day. That is awesome. Yeah, right? I like, didn't realize how awesome I am. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're right. Pretty great. I agree with you. I'm better. Fantastic. Let's get back on. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. I'm right, waiting. Right. No, I, honestly, though, like, even from the beginning of our friendship, like, I, there were things you had that I wanted. Like. The dad? Yeah. <laughs> that right there was, I feel like. Do you want some M&M's? 
No, I'm good with the Eminence. Oh, okay. Um, I feel bad that I didn't offer him sooner, but you could have always had some M&Ms. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm into the dark chocolate ones, though, are you? Mm. No, I like the well, regular ones. I don't think we can be friends anymore. <laughs> Friendship over. <laughs> but yeah, no, like, I remember, like, things were different at your house. Like, when I was a kid, I remember coming over and, like, when I was, okay, so growing up, I had a neighbor who gave me everything, and I, I love this lady, Nadine Saunders. She was the best neighbor in she was the like world. like one of the best people I've ever met. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. she's the one who introduced me to the outside world. I've been around the world, and she was amazing, dude. Right. She's at the top of the list. Right, and I, I mean, just an amazing person, and she loved to spoil us. And so yeah. I got every Coke product However many yeah, bottles of Coke I And wanted. I definitely piggybacked off that when I came to visit. Oh, um, but I remember, like, the first time staying over at your house and realizing that you had a limit on yeah. how much Coke you could drink. We weren't allowed to drink sodas during the week. It was only on weekends. Yeah. And then it, there was a limit on how many you could have. Do you know, that's what made me realize, like, oh... I live differently because I'm here living out. Because your parents were awesome. Your parents yeah, yeah, were yeah. like, okay, these are our rules for Adam. But since you don't have any rules, yeah, you like, can have whatever you want. So I would be drinking up Cokes mm. just right in front of you. And you were allowed to have one. And then I started feeling bad. And being like, <laughs> oh, wait, wait a minute. Maybe I shouldn't drink I don't remember that at all. a two liter of Coke <laughs> while my bus seven. While my buddy gets a... <laughs> Eight ounce glass, right? <laughs> right, but I mean, it, it's like I don't remember any of that. See, my dad is usually uh, um, from like most memories of my childhood. My dad was like, "You're in my house, you follow my rules," yeah. and that's the way I've done it in my house. Like I <laughs> and around my house, I yell at kids all the time. Yeah, <clears throat> when we're outside. Um, it's only if their life is in danger or they're doing something really dumb. Right. Uh, like if they're going to get hurt or they're going to destroy property or if they're like about to really F themselves up, I get on them. Or like I'm a, I'm a softie for people that get picked on because uh, my best friend picked on me when I was in middle school. Exactly. Um, so, so when I see that, I get a little, uh, I get a little on edge and I break it up. But right. uh, in my house, if you're not acting the way I want you to act, you, you you're not allowed to be in my house anymore. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, I'll be the first to tell you, you're hard ass. Yeah, and like, there's lines that you do not cross with you, mm-hmm. but you make those lines very well known, very transparent, and you're very respectful. Sure, of people too, and I, I think that may that has all to do with your upbringing, your oh, family. Absolutely. Like, I remember because. I think it was your sister's wedding I did pictures for. Yeah. And I remember... Do you videoed it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were the video guy for that one. That was such a terrible business. So, here's the thing. I started a video business before video business for weddings was even really a thing. Yeah. With a full-time job. Genius. Right. No assistance. Yeah. No help. And I would, Not to mention, you were super introvert and hadn't broken out of that yet. Right. And so, yeah. So, I, I experienced social anxiety yeah. and, and could barely even talk to my clients. So, so, it was super... And I remember that very specifically because we were at the 
reception. And I was one of the groomsmen at my sister's wedding, obviously. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of guys because Matt, uh, her husband, graduated from high school in Texas. So he had a lot of people from uh, Texas and a few other places because he has a lot of, we'll call it dispersed family. Yeah. Uh, and Carrie and I had flown in. Me and Carrie and the kids came in from Hawaii. This one was stationed in Hawaii. So, um, you know, there are a lot of different people there. And I was sitting at their groomsmen's table. Um getting ready to eat and like they were bringing the food out and you came over and you were like hey man I, I, I need to talk to people about Matt and Jess will you come around and help me talk to people and it's because you're so in your shell you you, were, you didn't yeah. want to break out you didn't want to be that camera guy that I've seen you do yeah. tons of times since I wanted and to so hide I got, behind that camera. I yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I started walking around, and I'm in like 80% of the damn video from the reception because I was just, you know, I'm, I'm more outgoing, and I, I, remember I, that I like being the center of attention. Yeah. Uh, let, let's be real. Me and my sister have admitted out loud to everyone in our family, we like the attention on us, me and my sister both. Now, and we play well off each other now, but... um so I just, we started walking around. I started talking to you. I was talking to you I've never met. I didn't know Matt's people, you know. Yeah. And, but, you know, I'm very comfortable doing that. Plus, I've been drinking all day. So <laughs> right. I was, we played golf that morning and I won the longest putt competition. I didn't give a f- And I, I yeah. played with a seven iron, a nine iron, a putt, 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 or a pink one that I picked up when we got <laughs> a there. Pink yeah, a pink putt. And I won the longest putt. Nice. I won money. <laughs> I threw money in, and one of his one of his groomsmen was like in charge of the bet or whatever. Yeah, and we were sitting at Dad's house, uh, getting ready to go to the wedding, and he's like, "Here, Adam," and he gave me a stack of cash. I was like, "What the hell is this for? You won the longest putt." I was like, "For real, dude? You should have gotten your picture with that pink putt butter." <laughs> I didn't know I did it until it was all over. But yeah, but I I kept the I did keep I stole that. That's what yeah, I did. You I stole did. it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was a dad's house for years, man. That's I, it's probably right gone there. Yeah, I know. I wish I still had it. It's, it's long gone now. But yeah, I remember that. You uh you being yeah, man. and I when you were talking earlier, because you were talking so my son is super introverted. Well, I, I just kinda put it out there. Um and when you're talking to him, I really appreciated that because it's like uh he's talking to one of his own type of thing. Yeah. Like um, and the more you can do that, the better. I should probably give you his phone number. But listening to you talk about it, I was like, I never really thought about it like that because I've always filled the room myself. So I've never yeah. noticed that you were kind of in the corner. You know, because right. I'm just, oh, this is Chris, you know, and I pull you into everything. Right. Uh, so I didn't, I, I don't, I don't think about that enough with people when I'm doing it. I just, I'm, I act like myself. And it was really funny is traditionally, I hang out with a lot of people that are more quiet and introverted. Like my buddy Keith that lives in Texas, he yeah. says three words to you. Um, but we're really good friends. Um, my buddy David Terrier that I hung out with a ton in, um, well, station in Hawaii. Um, he's, he'll call me like, Hey man, how you doing? This and that. And then he gets quiet and I just fill the void. Um, my buddy Ryan the Lion, he's the same way. Like I, I've, uh, April Harris. She was always super quiet. We were yeah, real close. I remember her. So, like, I've always kind of been friends with people that were quieter. And I think it's like a complimentary thing. It's like, you're yeah. quieter. You don't want to be the center of attention. I love it. So, I'm yeah. going to sit there and yap away. And the you're yin gonna be, to your yang. Exactly. Right. I'm going to be content 
being the person that's out there and you're going to be content being the person that's kind of in the shadows listening or whatever. Right. And it has nothing to do with wanting recognition. I just like it. Yeah. That's like the way it feels. I here's love the, being in front of people. Here's the thing, though. You've always been able to just be yourself and and not really care about what other people were oh, thinking. Oh, let me and tell you about that. Yeah. That's my dad 100%. Yeah. My dad, when I was young, he told me, you don't have anything to worry about but yourself. He said, you don't worry about what other people think or say. You don't have a family to worry about. It's 100% you right now. And, and he told me that. Um, he told me that a bunch of times, but he told me, I remember in the eighth grade, it was the eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade, we went on a camping trip with him and one of his high school buddies, yeah. um, and a few other people, I can't remember who they all were, and his high school buddy, I had a kid about my age and stuff, and we were camping and we were doing some rock climbing and stuff. My dad, you know, he was like, yeah, you know, I got a little skit, we were in Red River Gorge, rock climbing. Yeah. Uh, went up, tri- tri- uh, Church house or church something rock anyway. Um, my dad was like, "Yeah, I, you know, I hesitated more because I got you and your sister and your mom that I got to worry about. Um, you, you don't have to worry about anybody. There's nobody waiting for you at home that relies on you. Um, don't worry about other people and what they say and think. Just worry about what makes you happy, right? And so that's kind of how I grew up, wow. and it was awesome because I've been able to be me." It becomes a little bit of a problem when you're doing interpersonal relationships, uh, like specifically, we'll say, with my wife, because oh. <laughs> you got to learn how to stop caring only about yourself and right. start caring about other people. You got to bring I've, her into the team. Exactly. Right. That took me a long time to figure out. I mean, we were parents before we were uh, spouses, so it took me a while to figure that out. Um, but I started teaching my kids that. and. Yeah. Carter uh, is quiet, but he stands up for whatever he believes. Like, the harder you push him, the harder he pushes back when he, it's something he's uncomfortable with. Right. He's not He's not necessarily, like, quiet and awkward. He's, like, quiet and calculated. Exactly. Like, like, when he does talk, he becomes me. Like, when he gets around people and he's comfortable, he acts just like I do. He's right. real uh, bo- boisterous. He likes talking about himself. He likes telling stories. Um it's just getting him to that level of comfort that is the challenge. But see, here's the thing. But he's not a pushover. He can't be influenced to do something he doesn't want to do. Right. But, like, see, that's how I am. And that's why I feel like I, I like I, I find, I kind of identify with Carter sure, and everything. For sure. Because, like, when I enter a room, I have to scope it out first. Mm-hmm. I have to get all, get the layout, how many people are in there, what's going on. It, and it's almost like I need, like, 15 minutes of silence. And then I'm like, okay, I got this. Now I can be myself. And and honestly, like, <laughs> kind of seeing you not give a f- through the years and still be a very happy and su- successful person. Because t- trust me, in my life, I've seen people not give a f- in bad ways. Yeah, but yeah, you yeah. don't give a f- in a great way. Like, you, you care about what you want to care about about so passionately Mm -hmm. that it's okay that you don't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah, I see. It's not like you want bad things. You want everybody to succeed. So it's like, who cares what I do if I want everybody to succeed? Right. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like when I was telling you 
I have a very good reputation in this area that I live in as someone you can rely on. Right. Uh, when my friends call me, and part of it's my job. I'm super lucky to work from home. I make good money sitting on my ass in this room. Um, and so I have a lot of freedom with that. Um, and part of it is if we're friends, you know, I'm, I'm all in. Like if you're friends with me and we want to, we hang out and I appreciate it. You know, I'm, I'm willing to do whatever, you know, loan tools. I've laid floors in people's houses. I've taught people how to do things. Matt, uh, I've done, you know, I, he had some heart issues a couple of years ago. The guy that we did the wedding for last night. Okay. And, uh, you know, as soon as I found out I was at the hospital, I was like, look, man, I can work from here. And Jenny, they called me, and I, when I got there, Jenny had been up for like a day and a half or something. I was like, go home. I'm here till you get back. And I hung out with him. We watched the documentary. You know, like, that's, I don't know. I just, if I care about you, I want to be there for you. And right. this is why I always did the, the mail, the weight check-in thing with you yeah. when you were losing weight. And then you felt all bad when you were lying about it. And I was yeah. like, dude. Well, okay. So, so let yeah. me explain this a little bit. Sure. So we got into this, this habit where every Friday, so I'm, I was a morbidly obese is what I was classified as. And that sure. was, you know, almost 400 pounds. There was at a point in my life where I was over 400 pounds. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought yeah. you were right. Tapping it. No, see, here's the thing. I got, to 398 pounds, mm-hmm. got on the scale, decided that I, <laughs> sorry, if I, do you want some gum? No, I'm good. I got pee too. So, okay, just let me get through this. <laughs> this would be great on the podcast. <laughs> so, I get to 398 pounds and I get on the scale and I decide that because I don't want to see myself at 400 pounds, I'm not going to get on the scale anymore. Oh, sh**. And then I ordered myself a large pizza to eat Mm. away my feelings. Dude, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Yeah, So you hit four bills, man. That's crazy. That's like, God damn, that's a lot of material. Like, So when you think about a 400-pound person, think about, what were you when you were born? Tiny little tiny baby, right? Right. I'm sure you were gorgeous. So. Ugliest baby you ever saw. What? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You really glowed up. <laughs> okay. So it was this tiny six, seven ounce baby. And then at some point in your life, you hit 400 pounds. Yeah. Like, this is a lot of material. Yeah. And, and we have one per, we have. One purpose is to reproduce, but in order to do that, you got to stay alive long enough to do it, right? right? So you insert and you exit. You take in food and you, you know, uh, leave what is unneeded, right? right? So when you think about how much food it takes to turn a tiny baby into an adult that's like a crazy, insane amount. Because yeah. you're burning Thanks. energy all the time. great, by the way. I know, I know. <laughs> I don't mean to make you feel bad, but I'm just like... No, please keep going. I'm just thinking in numbers, right? Yeah. And I realize I haven't said a lot of numbers, but the idea is there. So, you think about you think about those numbers, and it's like, okay, so it takes tons of calories, tons of food to get a person from a baby to a full-grown human that's no longer growing. Yeah. Then, you think about how much it takes to get a person, a regular person, to 400 freaking pounds. Yeah. It's a lot of material. Yeah. 
that's going in and not coming back out. It's crazy to think about how you can do that. But then when you're in a situation where you're gaining weight, and I've, I've been there, like my biggest was 240. Uh, I like to pretend it was muscle because I was juicing it at the time, but there was a ton <laughs> of fat too, right? Yeah. But the point is, like, it, I was a skinny kid and my whole time in the Marine Corps, I averaged 185 pounds, and all of a sudden I was 240. So it was, you know, now I sit around 220, 225, uh, yeah. and I'm pretty comfortable. Like, I got a, I got a gut, but I'm, I'm strong enough. I'm, I'm okay with it, right? But it's like, how much material did it take to get there? Uh, oh, it just blows my mind. Here's the thing, though. Like, it, was just, it was a cycle of just cry about your feelings, mm-hmm. eat food, and repeat. And yeah. the worse I felt, the more I ate, and I just kept going and kept going. Yeah, so I got to 400 pounds. And mm-hmm. in fact, I remember my wedding day, which you were a part of, and oh, you were an amazing part of. I was hammered on the whole <laughs> But I remember being, stepping on the scale that morning and being at 200, or I'm sorry, 392 pounds. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah, and I was actually, I had put on some weight because I couldn't even fit into the uh, vest. And I remember, I think it was you, but it could have been one of the other groomsmen, was telling me, it's 97 degrees outside. You don't have to fit into a vest. Just <laughs> go without that. it. Yeah, <laughs> It may not have been me, but yeah, no, that's, it was hot as hell. Yeah. But since that day, so uh, since my wedding day, I, I was at 200, or I'm sorry, 392 pounds. And I'm currently at 293 pounds. So yeah. I've yeah. lost... 99 effing pounds. Right. right. Since I, and since and the you've wedding. actually lost more than that because you lost a bunch and gained some and lost a bunch again. Yeah. I, I keep going through the peaks and valleys with the yeah, weight sure. loss. And but you're, every time you you uh, you lose, you seem to lose more. Um, yeah. I'm trying to make it permanent. And that, and that's the thing is you, you have been a very good part of... Because you care. Sure. Like, there's other people who need me in life to be around, but you just kind of want me around because you like me? Yeah, so that's, I'm super selfish, right? Like, um, I try to help people that uh, I feel like um, I want to hang around. You know, I want to, I'll tell you two things. Um, Number one, I don't want to, watch uh you know a friend die in his 40s right so right. like in at the condition you were in that was happening right. uh without question and number two being that we were so close for so long i really didn't want to carry your casket <laughs> right that would have been a heavy ass casket at 400 like, <laughs> was, and i didn't want i would never wanted you to have the embarrassment of a forklift carrying you so right. like I think, uh, you know, I was... Dude, that was a thought there. for a while. Like, that, am that, I that going... That was a thought for me, 100%. Like, right. Like, like, if he goes, that's going to be hard. Am I going to have to be towed to out of the house? And that's rough. cut into yeah. and put into a piano box or something like that? Yeah, man. It, it, it's one of those things, like, I never wanted to be the guy that was pinging you about your weight all the time. Like, like hey, you got to lose weight, you got to lose weight, you got to lose weight. But I want to be uh, part of... Like helping you do it in some way, right? Like, right, but I think that took a little bit because I remember. So we had this thing where I would check in every Friday with you, and mm. I would tell you what my weight was. And for a while, I was doing okay. I was losing a little bit of sure. weight, but it, it wasn't coming off fast enough. And I, I, quite honestly, I wasn't. 
I wasn't in the right headspace to be taking it seriously sure. at yeah. the time. And you really wanted me to. And and yeah. you you really pushed for that. And I remember I got to the final day where I did not lose a pound. I hadn't lost a pound in like three or four weeks. And I just wanted you to be happy with me. <laughs> and so I lied to you. Yeah. About my weight. And then I got into this slippery slope where I had to... Yeah, you had to keep that up. Well, I had to keep up the lie, but at the same time, I was also like, I'm lying to Adam. I need to lose this extra weight so I can tell him the truth. And that became a slippery slope for a couple months. Yeah, I remember you finally were like, I gotta have a talk with you. I was like, what's up, dude? Uh, I've been lying to you about my weight. And I was like, okay, so what's going on? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I mean, it wasn't like you you wrote me the riot act or anything like that. It just got to the point where I was just like, I got to be honest with you. I've been lying. I don't like yeah. this, and you were cool. Yeah, it, it, I'll tell you why I was cool about it. Because at the end of the day, it's you. It's your health. It's your life. Like I don't want to lose you, and I don't want to carry a four hundred pound casket. But at the same time. You know, you lead a horse to water, right? Like, I can do everything I can do until you give up on yourself. And the best thing I can do to help you not give up is not beat you to shit for slipping, right? Like, the more, the harder it is, the harder I am on you. And and traditionally speaking, I'm a very positive person in your life in general, right? Yeah. Uh, Not everybody is all the time, and I try to be. So... I can't be the one that beats you up. And I remember you talked to me about it. I was like, okay, so where are you at? And I was like, and you told me. I said, all right. Are you going to try to lose the weight? Like, what's, you know, I was trying yeah. to gauge the, the the plan. And the plan was you weren't 100% sure what you were going to do. And that's when I stopped asking about your weight every Friday. I was like, okay, well, when you're yeah. ready, let me know. Because like, you gave me that space. And it was almost yeah. like, like I worked harder. Mm-hmm. Because I knew that there was some part of you that was disappointed, that wished that, yeah, that, like, that cared enough that you wanted to be there, you wanted to push me, but you didn't want to berate me or beat me down or so any of that. I have um, some guilt wrapped around uh, living through some shit that I probably shouldn't have when I was deployed, right? And uh, they call it survivor's guilt. Well, I also kind of feel that way with a lot of stuff dealing with family and friends from back home. So, like, my grandfather, uh, you know, I I was very lucky. My first grandparent died in 2015, right? So, I was, like, 34 when I lost the first grandparent. And I felt bad that I wasn't there more. Um, and, and I feel that way with you. Like, when I've talked about you with friends and... Anytime the weight has come up and I told him about how you're trying to lose weight, the, the the common theme was if I was there, he wouldn't have this problem. Yeah. If I was there, he, the weight would be gone because I'd be there dragging his ass out at 6 in the morning, running with him and, and keeping him in check. How um, did that go when you actually did that, though? When I actually did what? When I actually went running with you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. That wasn't great, but I'm talking like later on yeah. you would have... So he says that it wasn't great. I remember I wanted to go with a run uh, for this guy. Oh, man. Like I was so happy. In something. Your <laughs> hands went back, slid on your chest. I was like, holy shit, he 
he's dead. I couldn't even run in the shape that I was in because I tripped and did a total face plant into the yeah. side of the road. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, we weren't even on the sidewalk. That was an infestation. Yeah, that yeah. was a rough and, spot to be falling. See, and that was a that was something that I felt like I needed you to understand was that like. Wasn't I wasn't easy, yeah. at the point where, like, I could just wake up and start running. Yeah. Like, and I was, was at the point where I had to figure out how to live. We again. were relatively young when that happened, oh, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Like, that wasn't more recent. Like, I felt like more recent because I spent, you know, I started working out on my own when I was, like, 15. And, and I wasn't uber consistent. And then in the Marine Corps, like, you have to be, especially in the infantry, you have to be in shape. You can't do your job if you're not. And so I did every kind of workout. Like the Marine Corps has their physical training that they do, or we call it PT. But then most guys also exercise extra on their own. And I went through phases where I was lifting heavy and trying to gain mass. I went through phases where I was just running all the time, running marathons and ultra marathons. I went through times where I was doing CrossFit. I went through times where I was doing a lot of yoga and stuff. Dude, I remember the CrossFit thing because we came down here once and you were like jumping on these Apple boxes. Oh, yeah, dude. I do that stuff now. I go to a, it's not a CrossFit gym, but it's HIT, H I I T, uh, high intensity interval training. It's, you know, a style of workout that the gym I go to now does. And so I'm back doing that type of stuff. But nice. yeah, like when you saw me, I was, hell, I was skinny. I was in my 180s and doing all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I've done all that different kind of workout. And I always felt like if I came back home and we were around each other, I'm more active. Uh, I could have convinced you because I'm good at something. <laughs> I could convince you to join a gym with me or something and help you lose the weight. And I always kind of felt bad that I couldn't. So I did what I could. Yeah. You know, uh, checking with you on your weights and encouraging you when you, like, to this day, you send me pictures of the scale or tell me what you're weighing. And I'm like, that's amazing. I'm like, that's awesome. I'm yeah, proud of you. Because uh, I'd really rather not carry you in a casket. Yeah. You're super skinny. Yeah, no, I don't really want to be in a casket. <laughs> exactly. Uh, That's the other that side of it. big. I, I want to... I don't want you to be in a casket at all. Yeah. When I'm dead, I want them to easily carry me <laughs> off. And actually, I, you're not going to have to worry cremated. about that. Yeah, I'm getting cremated. I'm getting those ashes put into some sort of firework. And I told... Oh, that's a good idea. I told Actually, Gary. half of those a- ashes are going into fireworks. The other hash- half of the ashes are going to Santa Monica Pier. Nice. Somebody's got to take a trip to California. Yeah. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll do it. <laughs> I told uh, I told Carrie, my wife, I was like, yeah, um, cremate me and then throw my ashes in the trash. I, I don't care after that. Like, just... Uh, I don't want to live on a on a friggin' shelf somewhere. You, you're yeah. not allowed to keep my ashes in an urn on a shelf. You have to dump them. I don't care where you dump them. Dump them wherever you want. Nah, see, you gotta pick a place. And no, I don't, it's wherever she wants because what do I care when I'm dead? Well, yeah, it's it's true. wherever she wants to go to be. Feel like she's near me. And that's where she'll dump me out. Okay, and I, I'm okay with that. Like, and, and if she's gone, then it's Carter's choice or whomever I'm. That you know, makes sense. It's their choice. Yeah. Like, they can do whatever they want. I just, yeah. you cannot keep me. That's That'll be in my, I need to uh, update my will, but that, that's going to be my will. You cannot keep my remains. You got to get rid of them. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, 
This is one of those things. I think a lot of good real estate's uh, taken up by graveyards and stuff. And dude, oh, I, I, I completely agree. I think, yeah, <laughs> there. Like, I think I, when, when the bot, when when you're gone, you're gone. Like, yeah. When there was, you know, dude, I, I don't, don't care what Viking way. Uh, burn you. Yeah, yeah, dude. Viking out to sea. Viking funeral me. I don't care. Yeah, dude. I I mean, honestly. Uh, throw me in Ohio You're River pretty close on, to on a, a Viking, so I think a Viking <laughs> funeral might be pretty. Throw right me fitting. on a couple of tires in the Ohio River, cover me in diesel, and watch me yeah. slow burn down the river. Now we're not going to get the EPA <laughs> called on us for your funeral. <laughs> <laughs> like if anything, it's just regular wood sure. out to the ocean in in North Carolina, since that's that's where well, you're now. Now, sure, uh, in the future, I, I like. I don't care where. Yeah. I, remains end up as long as nobody hangs on to them well yeah no i I get that i i would like mine in you know a couple of special places sure yeah everybody's different like i'm just saying what i I, i'm not saying any other idea is bad it's just my opinion yeah i never did understand like that whole thing of being buried six feet under yeah slowly eaten after time like and just i you know you talked about me using a lot of material getting to 400 pounds I don't want to waste more space. Dude, just, right? Like, do you know how skinny I'll be when I'm just ashes? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, so what's funny about it um, is, like, when you think about being buried, they don't bury you like they used to. Um, from what I recall from history class or documentaries or whatever, embalming didn't really come around until Lincoln died and they want to show his body off all over America. Yeah. So before Maybe that, it was natural. Yeah, right? It was natural burial, and the body broke down and became part of the earth. You're throwing in a box, probably. But even then, the box breaks down. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like, you become a part of the circle of life. Well, now they're putting you in vaults in these big yeah. caskets, and it's like, what are you contributing? You're just taking up space. Yeah. And one day, somebody's going to... It's like somebody's going to dig that up. And, I mean, how many hundreds and millions of people have been buried places and turned to dust that we will never know? Right. right? Like... If we keep burying people the way we are, we're going to run out of room to bury them. I will say, though, there there is a company, and I, I don't remember the name, but I remember seeing where they, they make pods. Yep. And, they, and you grow... Reef. Yeah, you grow into a tree. Oh. So... I've seen that, too. I've seen some where they mix you with some special... Your ashes and some special concrete, and they make these little domes that they dump in the ocean uh, to help uh, coral reefs grow. So they stack them up in the ocean and, uh, you know, reef grows on, which is pretty cool. I do feel like we've reached a day and age where there's so many more things possible. For sure. And so many more ways to uh, deal with things. Dude, absolutely. And you know who else has said that? Everybody in every year in the history of man. Right. So you're <laughs> saying I'm completely unoriginal. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm saying that you're 100% right. And all of those people were as well at the time. Right. Like th- this is what I think is is like the vastness of it all. Right. Like yeah. Seven and a half billion people on the planet. You think about a, a single person being uber famous like a Michael Jackson. Sorry if you don't like him or, or a Justin Bieber or whomever. Pick a famous with the Bee Gees, like seven and a half billion people on the face of the planet, and these people are still known. Uh, It blows my mind. And then when you think about history, like how, and this is totally off the subject, but it blows my mind when you think about 
So when you think about history, historical figures like the Abraham Lincolns and the uh, Plato and Aristotle and all these people, well, there's seven and a half billion people now. How many people have ever lived? Right. And they're known through the annals of time. Like, right. like there right? has to be a reason that they're known and why yeah. their story is going to keep being told over and over again. Like, for us, we're just regular Joes, right? It doesn't matter how great we become. We're not going to become something that's known forever. Now, we have the advantage of technology. Uh, this podcast, um, in some shape or form, will be in the annals of history, but no one's going to listen to it forever, right? Like, right. So let's say this: your podcast takes off, and, and you, you're very successful, and it goes great. Yeah, and you let's do it for years that. and years and years. Yeah, I hope it happens, right? <laughs> and let's pretend that it did. A hundred years from now, no one's ever going to listen to it. Yeah. It's not going to matter. No, I mean, I'll have greatest hits through my AI body that's for sure, controlled for sure, for sure. because, you know, obviously because you're, gonna upload, because you're going to upload your consciousness into you a know, computer. Here's the weird thing, though, is it is completely possible right now for you to create a VR room mm-hmm. based on your Facebook history wow. using an AI that puts it all together and generates what it thinks your memory should be like. So, I th- well, yeah, but it only has the information that you've pumped into Facebook, right? Right, but that's location, so, that's... Yeah, I understand photo, that, that's, but, yeah. but Facebook starts for me in 2007. Yeah. There's a lot of history that's not there. But that's the weird thing, is our kids are going to grow up with these oh, everything's living tombs. Yeah. yeah, everything they do is recorded. Um the whole idea of getting your sub, like your consciousness uploaded and then living forever through robot or whatever does not intrigue me. Like, I want to live as long as I can, as long as I have a functioning brain. Like, yeah, I'm okay with my body breaking down as long as I can use my arms or you know something to that effect, and I can think straight. I'm good. Yeah. As soon as I'm diagnosed with something that eats at your brain, I'm that's the end of me. I'm I'm gonna. I'm going to shuffle off this mortal coil in any way I choose fit because uh, I don't want to be like that. But as right. long as I can stay mentally active, I'll stay alive. But I don't want to be, you know, transferred into a robot. I'd rather just die. You know what yeah. I mean? Just move on. Yeah. No, um, see, and that's the thing is, is death is a period to a sentence. And the sure. sentence is what's important, not the period. So, yeah, 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 for sure. So, so you that's just a, do what you can while you're there and then move on. Yeah, and you say legacy, like, and, and I think you reach a certain age where you stop thinking about self and start thinking about legacy. Yeah. Where what are you going to be leaving behind? Not necessarily for fortune or fame, but mostly for your family, mm-hmm. for your friends. Like, you just want to leave a good mark on this earth and have somebody know about it. Sure, yeah. Like, I, I've gotten over the idea that I'll be, you know, famous and... Well, not not even famous, but, like, known for a long time. You know right. what I mean? Like, like, famous in the way that, like, George Washington is famous or something like that. I'll, uh, I, I, I you think, still have time. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, I am not an inventor. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm a salesman. No salesman has become famous like that. Right. Uh, well, I guess maybe Ben Franklin. But, like, he did a lot of other stuff. Um, but... You know, it took me a long time to be okay with that. And the other thing it took me a long time to be okay with, and it was super interesting, my sister posted an article on Facebook about what's wrong with a normal life. And I read this article. It was all about, I just want to, you know, do what I like to do and raise my kids. And, like, I'm okay with that. Yeah. And when I read that article, I was like, holy shit. 
shit, this has some weight behind it. Like, why am I trying to, you know, (laughs) the, uh, who was it? Uh, President Reagan said that uh, people walk through life, through their entire lives wondering if they've made a difference in the world. Marines don't have that problem. But I never felt like I ever made a difference. And I always wanted to, right? Yeah. And then when I read that article, I was like, why do I give a why, why, what does it matter? Like, but that's the thing is you have made when, a difference, especially being yeah. in the Marines. No, I like I get that. Like I'm talking and about you will like be known because sure. okay. So you you told me the other day about um, Adam Khan. Oh, <laughs> yeah. and so the what he told me was basically when he was overseas, he he befriended. Um, some of the locals over there, and they gave him the name of Adam Khan, which means Adam Khan. Yeah, I'm saying totally wrong. And it means uh, it's like a rich guy. It's a it's this term of respect um, in, in that uh, community. Like the rich guys are called Khan, um, whatever their name is, and then they add that to the end of it. Uh, so it's kind of like a Mister Whatever. I'm an Adam. But Khan. they pointed out that you were a special individual that needed to be respected because of. Who you are, not because you were rich or you were an a hole who was shoving a gun in their face or anything, but because of how you actually deal with people. Sure, yeah, for sure. But like, how much does that guy think of me now? You know what I mean? Like, it's not like he's telling stories to his kids about me, like some of the new George Washington would or something like that. You don't know that. You okay. could be the best American that he's ever met. and <laughs> Okay, a fair point, only because I 100% don't know, uh, and I don't like to talk in absolutes, but I highly, highly doubt that. I had plenty of conversations with those guys about all kinds of stuff. I asked them one time, <laughs> why do you think everybody wants Afghanistan? And all of their answers were weird. It was like, because we got good stuff, because it's a cool place. And right. I was like, no. So because it's strategically located. Everybody wants to control your country because of where you sit in the world. That's it. Right. But th- here's the thing is you have these people who are halfway across the world who are going through their daily mm-hmm. and whatever it is. And they see most things that we see in the media is how. People look down on the Americans for coming in and, sure. and occupying force, right? Being the right, occupying right. force and, and all of that. And here they have you, who's just bringing the down home Independence Kentucky <laughs> way of life and talking to them and being just cool with them. That's what they're going to associate with America, hopefully. I hope so, man, because it's not like I was the only one. Like, everybody right. takes their own flavor to it and makes friends with guys over there. And it's really easy to because you're all kind of in a situation. Right. Uh, whether you're a local or you're a Marine, you know, the locals don't want their town jacked up and they don't want their people killed. And you really don't want to be the guy that does that. Right. Um, but also, I, I don't know in my entire life that I've ever actually seen you look down on somebody. Yeah, I, 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 my dad, my dad before uh, my 06 Iraq deployment, so I, this was my third combat deployment, he was worried about me, and he told me he was worried about me, he said, because you always bet on the underdog, because my whole life when I saw, you know, I wasn't super popular, I had my fair share of times where I got made fun of and stuff, but um, 
whenever I saw someone else dealing with that, I did my best to, to stop it. You know, there was a kid and I was a band nerd and there was a kid named, uh, I'll just give his first name. His name's Tim. And, uh, he used to catch a lot of shit from people and get made fun of and stuff. Cause he's kind of a scrawny or a little kid or whatever. And I used to take care of him and defend him and try to help him out because I, been that kid and I didn't want him to be, you know, I don't want anybody. Yeah. Um, and my dad worried about me because he was like, you always, you know, he was worried that I was accepting guys as a squad leader in my squad that were the underdogs and all that. And I'll be honest, I did, but there's a big difference between, uh, you know, being in high school and betting on the underdog and being in combat and betting on the underdog because right. Marines, <laughs> as much as you want to love them, they'll let you down every chance they get except in combat. That's the only time they come through almost 100% of the time. So I, I never really worried about that kind of stuff. And the other thing uh, he worried about was he was like, oh, you don't have to be a hero to anybody but your son. And I said, uh, I'm not trying to be anybody's hero, but wow, I can't ask anyone to do something that I won't do myself. I can't tell a Marine, go, go check that hole for IEDs if I am not willing to do it. And so I used to do that all the time. Like I was the main guy that looked for that when we were in the convoys. Um because, again, I did it so often that toward the end of the deployment, I you know we'd stop to do something, and I'd go to get on the radio, and my guys in the back would be like, "We got it, we'll take care of it," because I did it so much and I took care of them so well that they were willing to just you know do a lot of BS for yeah. me. You know what I mean? Um, so I think when you, I, I guess I just never felt like, you know feeling powerful over someone else was a good thing. Right. I think it was just, it's just like, uh, like I just want to be happy and I think everybody else does too. So you do your best to not aid their sadness. I'll tell you, like having that in a friendship is an amazing thing to have. Like a guy who, who, who is willing to do this, that he would ask anybody else to do. Yeah. By your side through most of my life has been an amazing thing to have. And I really appreciate our friendship, the fact that like you let us stay in your home. I mean Oh yeah, anytime, dude. That's that's a no brainer. Yeah, and, and but that's the thing, is it's you've never treated me anything other than like a brother. For sure. You're the closest thing to a brother I've ever had. We've been together for so long and friends for so long. I think it just makes sense. And I think that's why, uh, you know, when things got tough a couple of times here and there, it was easy for us to recover from that because it was like, hey, you know, brothers fight, right? right. Like that happens. You know, brothers got just... a hug. <laughs> <laughs> brothers got a hug. But, but like it, it happens. You, uh, you, you know, my, me and my sister have never always gotten along, but you know, we've always had each other's back type of thing. Yeah. You know, um, so I don't think. I think that's just kind of that. That's actually probably a good summation of the relationship. It was like we're so close, we're basically brothers, and yeah. brothers take care of each other. My daughter calls you Uncle Adam, and your yeah. wife Aunt Carrie. Yeah, that's pretty dope, right? That's right. Yeah, so she's adorbs too. You guys have made it to family status. You're yeah. never gonna be anything but. Well, there it is. And I really appreciate you coming on this podcast. I really appreciate you being the first one, too, so that I could kind of get used to... to be the first one. And I hope it comes out good, man. I I mean, even if this one, because the first one also has that, like, potential of... It's probably not going to get as listened to as the following ones. But 
I like that I uh, I'm the one that kind of helps you get to that. You yeah. know, and, and I hope you I hope it takes off. Well, hey, I think you're an interesting guy, and I think a lot of people are gonna like hearing you talk and like your your uh, your ability to maintain this friendship. Um, I I would like to think I am a part of it. And, and helped as well, but I would say that the lion's share of this friendship has been on your back for because you brought me back from a lot of dark places a lot of times. You've always been there for me. And I'll tell you what, man. Anybody who treats a friend like you treat a friend will keep that friendship for all the rest of their life. For sure, man. Yeah. yeah. And I appreciate, uh, uh, you know what you've given back because it hasn't been one side this whole fucking time. You can't talk like that. Um, anytime I've needed you, you've been there. Uh, the times where I was in town for two days and I called you, you're like, I got to work at six. I'm on my way <laughs> and we do whatever, you know, and you'd still take care of your, you know, you were always willing to, you were always down to clown, man. And, and I appreciate that because not everybody was, uh, and it was one of those things that that's why you're, you know, high on that list of people that I go see because, you know, you, you've earned that. Well, I was there. And I think that's yeah. the most important thing about yeah, being a friend is just up. being there, there for the other person. For sure, man. That's 90% of being a good person, just showing up. The yeah. rest of it kind of comes with being there, yeah. for sure. All right, man. I think that's a wrap. You made it to the end. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Maintain Podcast. This podcast was produced by Christopher Keeney Productions. If you have a story to tell, we want to help you tell it. Head over to ChristopherKeeney.com and click on Request Services and let us know what we can do to help you out. Our next episode is going to be Maintaining Sobriety with local comedian Jay Armstrong, who's been 16 years sober. Causing, it's causing negative consequences and you manage to break that stranglehold that it has on you, whether it's with therapy, whether it's going to treatment. And like eating disorders, man, self-harm, man, there's so many terrible things that people can do to themselves compulsively without it being drugs or alcohol that are, you know, it's just as important to celebrate those wins. Be sure to click subscribe to be notified when the next episode premieres. Thanks again for listening. <laughs> Just like 30 seconds of you chewing. <laughs> I love everything about that. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>